Hey, welcome everybody. Welcome to you at Facebook Live. We're clapping for you. Welcome all of our campuses. <clears throat> just want you to let you know next week is Mother's Day, okay? This is for the guys. I'm just doing this, giving you some time. Next week is Mother's Day. Um, I am excited because I talked my oldest daughter, Rachel, into coming and doing Mother's Day with me. Uh, she is the mother of Charlie and George and another one on the way. Uh, fantastic mom and in the middle of it. And we're going to talk about how Jesus and motherhood, how Jesus was like a mom. And we've been talking about some fascinating things. Poopy diapers is in here. Okay, so you're going to want to come and, and hang out and be a part of this. We also have uh, a little vanilla ice, and uh, I know that gives it away because there's only one song that you know that he did, but we're going to be parroting. We're going to do a whole bunch of cool stuff because we love our moms, so don't miss next week. And, um, and, and, and then in June, <clears throat> I'm going to preach through my, my book that's going to come out June 11th, What Made Jesus Mad. And that's why we're doing Father's Day Compassion thing, because one of the times that Jesus was mad was when they blocked the children from coming to him. So we're going to make sure that that doesn't happen on Father's Day. I've got a lot of great stuff happening, and, and, and we're glad you're here. I want to talk about eternity. I want to talk about heaven. And yeah, baptism is going to be a part of that, kind of, kind of work that way at the end. But, but I, want to, I want to talk about what happens after we die in FOMO, okay? Husband and wife are going on vacation to Florida. Husband was there already for work, and uh, he was finishing up, and his wife was going to come the next day, and his phone was dead. He's like, oh, man, I, I really wanted to say something to her. So he borrows a co-worker's phone, and uh, thankfully his co-worker doesn't have his wife's cell number in, in his phone, so he has to take a shot at it, you know, and just like guess. You know how hard that is now? As you, you're just so used to hitting, you know, contacts or hey, call, whatever. So he's like, okay, let me, let me give this a shot. And, and he, and he texted, his, texted his wife, but instead of going to his wife, he missed it by one number. Um, he, he, he sent a text to a lady whose husband had just recently passed away. And when she read the text, she screamed and her family ran in to see a text that said, hi, honey, it's me. My phone died. I borrowed this one. I just want you to know I can't wait to see you tomorrow. <laughs> that wasn't the worst part. The last line got her. Be prepared. It sure is hot down here. <laughs> FOMO, right? The after party. Could that, could that really be a thing? Could I really have a fear of missing out? Like, like could, I, could I? I don't know. Because I don't, I don't know that I feel like I'm all that anxious to go to heaven. You know what I mean? I mean, you see that, remember that old Milwaukee beer commercial, you know, guys sitting around fishing and drinking and they say, it just doesn't get better than this. You remember that? I mean, you get my point. There are plenty of times in my life that I'm perfectly happy to be right where I am. My life is good. If you talk to a person or especially like we've seen this week in the news in Chicago, a kid who's in an abusive situation like this horrible thing that we've seen, um, I mean, they're thinking about getting out out, right? You talk to a Jew in a Nazi German concentration camp, you know, you, you listen to the African spirituals from the slaves. Um, they're, they're thinking about nothing but heaven, nothing but what happens after this. But my life isn't that bad. And especially now that I have grandkids, amen, a little slice of heaven, grandparents, right? And, and I don't want to have, I don't want to leave my wife yet and my family and my friends. Plus I have stuff to do. 
I have a purpose on this earth, and it's what, it's what keeps me up at night. It's what drives me. I mean, I, I don't have a bucket list. I have a purpose to serve God. I mean, I, I get to, I've already done a lot of fun things, and I get to do fun things. But when, when 2,600 people more show up this Easter than ever before at an Easter to hear about the things that are of eternal life, I can't see letting go of that. And I tell you that because some of you have been around here for a long time and you've worked really hard to prepare a place like I have where people, thousands of people might step out and walk through the door and into the light and decide to follow Jesus. That's our purpose, highest purpose. And I want to do that. I want to keep doing that. And my guess is that you're like me too. You know, no matter whether you've got your purpose thing figured out necessarily, I mean, maybe it's a bad day for you and heaven, you know, sounds really good, but probably you're somewhere in between now. Um, you know, I, I'm ready to go to heaven and I'm good for now. You're, you're like the guys that were talking one day and they're, they're, you know, waxing eloquently about philosophy. And one of the guys says, so what would you like for your friends to say about you after you're dead? He said, let's say that your friends and family are all gathered around. They're all gathered around the hospital room <coughs> and you've just passed away. What do you hope that they will say? And one guy said, well, I hope they'll say he was a great teacher. Because he was. He was, a, he was a school teacher. He said, I hope they'll say that he really loved his kids and taught them well. Another guy said, well, I hope they'll say he really loved his family. He was a great father and a great husband. The third guy said, I hope they say, look, he's moving. <laughs> like, like I said, <coughs> like I said first week, FOMO works two ways, okay? I may have a fear of missing out on something over there if I don't go do it. Or I may have a greater fear of leaving what I have. Okay, FOMO is about like I'm at a party and somebody texts me and says there's another party and that's when I have FOMO. I got to decide, am I going to go to that party, which means leaving this party, or am I going to, you know, stay here because this one's probably better. That job, that, you know, that whatever it is, that, that other thing, that's where FOMO comes into play. And the problem with the afterlife in heaven is we don't have the answers. There's some stuff we don't understand. And the descriptions of heaven are tough to grasp. I mean, if you ask a kid, where is heaven? What, they, what will they say? Up, right? It's, it's up. And, and, and biblically, that's, that's okay because, I mean, in the psalmist said, I look up to you, up to heaven where you rule. So heaven's up, right? Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish and looked upward towards heaven and asked God's blessing on the food. I don't think that's really where heaven is, but I mean, that's kind of what we, we, we've always associated, like heaven's up there, and so we're going to be in these white robes on the clouds with a harp, you know, and, and that's not helpful, is it? I'd rather be fishing with the rednecks than up on the cloud with the harp, wouldn't you? Let's just be honest. I mean, and the clouds, they look fun like for a little while, but they, they've got to be boring, I have ADHD. I mean, what am I going to do up on the clouds? It's like, it's like the beach, okay? I know some of you love the beach and your beach people, um, and I can do it for a little while, but if you ask me to go on a long vacation where we're going to do nothing but sit around on the beach all day, it is going to require an enormous amount of mojitos for me. I'm just telling you that, okay? I get bored sitting around. I want to do something. And I think that's why a Gallup poll said, 81% of us believe in an afterlife, but they commented on the fact that nobody ever talks about it. So again, let me take FOMO from the two different angles, okay? Two different angles. First of all, what if my fear is about going because I don't understand it and I'm not sure I'm all excited? And secondly, what if my fear is about not getting in because I know I don't deserve it, okay? We'll start here. 
fear of going, what's it going to be like? <clears throat> the whole concept is based on faulty human understanding, okay? I had a professor in seminary uh, who, who said it brilliantly. He said, describing heaven to a human is like trying to describe, and bear with me on this illustration, it's like trying to describe physical intimacy to a five-year-old. They're, they're not equipped to understand that, right? To a five-year-old, the best thing is Paw Patrol or Disney princesses or, or whatever. They can't understand grown-up stuff. As a matter of fact, do you remember the first time that someone explained physical intimacy to you? Unfortunately, it was probably not your parents. It was that nasty kid at school in your class, right? <laughs> and, and they told you, well, here's what they do. They do this. And, and, and your reaction was... What? Are you kidding me? There's no way I'm ever doing that. And then one day you grew up and it started to become more interesting. You with me? So heaven is the same thing. I mean, we're like five-year-olds here. We can't understand what heaven is going to be like. Although some people have taken a shot at it. Like, here's one. I like this. <clears throat> Right? That's fine unless you're a vegan, but you know, right? Of course, you won't be in heaven if you're a vegan, so it doesn't matter. <coughs> here's, here's, what I, here's what I want you to understand, okay? When you go to, a, like, when I was in high school, I worked at Baskin Robbins, okay? Great job. I ate more ice cream some nights than I, you know, sold because it was cold in Oklahoma. And, and when you go in there, and there's 31 flavors, and, and you say, oh, I've never had pralines and cream before. That was my favorite. I've never had pralines and cream. Can I try it? Sure. What was I supposed to do? I was going to take a little tiny pink spoon, remember? And, and I was going to dip it in there. And I'm going to give them a taste. I'm not going to give them three dips and put some marshmallow cream on it. they got to pay for that. And if they want to taste it, it's a tiny pink spoon. Everything good about our life here on earth is, is there for a reason. It's there because God is here and he's in, a, in our midst, but it's a tiny pink spoon compared to what heaven is going to be like. Paul said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Well, I'm going to explain it this way. I, I, I want to back the whole story up. I'm going to do a lot of stuff in this, in this, in this day, okay? Uh, I, I want to help you figure out how we got here in the first place and what the whole idea of heaven and earth and, and how they're going to come back together someday. I hope that this will kind of clear it up for you. There are a couple of guys that put together something called the Bible Project. It's one of my favorite podcasts. I don't agree with everything, but if you're interested in a podcast about the Bible, these guys are Bible scholars and they're very interesting and fun and they explain things very well. They also make videos, so here's one of them. The ideas of heaven and earth are ways of talking about God's space and our space. So I understand our space really well. We live here. There's trees, rivers, mountains. But my understanding of God's space gets a little fuzzy. And what we do get in the Bible are images trying to help us grasp God's space, which is basically inconceivable to us. So these are two very different types of spaces. Yes, they're, they're different in their nature, but here's what's really interesting is that in the Bible, these are not always separate spaces. So think of heaven and earth as like different dimensions that can overlap in the same exact space. So we talk a lot about going to heaven after we die, but 
this idea of heaven and earth overlapping, we don't talk a lot about that. Which is kind of crazy because the union of heaven and earth is what the story of the Bible is all about. How they were once fully united and then driven apart and about how God is bringing them back together once again. So let's go back to the beginning where heaven and earth, they're completely overlapping. Yeah, this is what uh, the Bible's description of the Garden of Eden is all about. It's a place where God and humanity dwelt together perfectly, no separation, and, and humans then partner with God in building a flourishing, beautiful world and so on. But as humans, we wanted to do things a different way. We wanted God out and we wanted to create a world apart from him. Yeah, so we have these two spaces now. And the Bible actually uses lots of different kinds of words and phrases to refer to these two spaces to make a a clear distinction. Now you see why I like it, right? (laughs) So there's two spaces that we were together, heaven and earth, we were together, but we decided to rebel, tell God to go his own way, do our own thing, and, and we split up. But the deal about heaven is that it's going to bring heaven and earth back together again. What I mean by this is that heaven is not as much about a crazy place we get to go someday as much as it is about reuniting us with the place we were always supposed to be. This is where we were always supposed to be. So when you start thinking about heaven, don't worry about all the symbolism. Don't worry about all the stuff. Understand that the idea of heaven is reconciling us back to the beginning. And what happened is God, we, we rebelled against God. We had to figure out our own way to get back reconnected with God, and that wasn't going to work. So God set up a system. He set up the tabernacle, which was a tent that they used when Moses and the children of Israel were wandering around in the desert so that it was like a portal of God's presence. And then eventually the temple was established in Jerusalem and it was the portal of God's presence because sin has, has, has all the bad things about what goes on with sin, all the darkness and the death and, 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 the, and the bad stuff. And God is all the good stuff and all the light and all the beauty and all the justice and, and they can't be together. So God came up with a system called the sacrificial system where they would sacrifice an animal because the blood is what it was that made atonement, that made up for sin. It was the only way that it could work. And so it was a frustrating system, but they would go, they would sacrifice, usually a lamb, and and that would be the way that their sin was absorbed so that they could have a little bit of a connection with God's presence. They could be healed, they could be whole again. But the problem was it was just for a little time. And then Jesus comes in, the Apostle John writes, At the very beginning of his gospel, the word, Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the one and only son who came from the father who's full of grace and truth, right? But he made his dwelling among us. That word is literally tabernacle, that Jesus came and brought God as the the tabernacle, as the place where heaven and earth come back together and overlap. But Jesus didn't just go to the temple and provide a space there and wait for everyone to come to him. He brought heaven to earth by going out to, the, to hang out with the sinners and the tax collectors and the prostitutes, the people who are like you and me who didn't have enough goodness inside of us to get to heaven. And he brought it to them. And he went the farthest places he could go. And he's walking around teaching and he's saying, hey, everybody, turn back to God because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heaven and earth are coming back together through Jesus now. 
So we do have tiny pink spoons full of God's presence here because he is here, because Jesus started the process of bringing it back together. And of course, you know, the people who had the temple system all figured out and thought they were good enough, they didn't like the idea of Jesus taking the temple on the road, so they killed him. But that's okay because it was part of the plan. When the other John, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, saw Jesus coming for the first time to start his ministry, he said, behold, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So the cross is now the place where Jesus has absorbed all of the sin into a clean space that is not limited to animal sacrifices. And Jesus' sacrifice has the power to keep spreading and spreading and reuniting and reuniting more of heaven and earth. I have a tattoo that says heaven to earth, earth to heaven. This is, what, this is what's going on now. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. So what happens after we die? What happens when I die? Don't I just fly over to God's space to be with Jesus. Yeah, so a few times in the New Testament, we learn that Christians will be with Jesus in heaven after they die, but that is not the focus of the Bible's story. The focus is on how heaven and earth are being reunited through Jesus and will be completely brought together one day when he returns. So in the book of Revelation, we get this beautiful image of the Garden of Eden, now in the form of a city, coming to end the age of sin and death by redeeming all of human history in a renewed creation. And God's space and human space completely overlap once again. That helpful? So this is the whole story of the Bible and how the whole thing is supposed to, supposed to happen. So take that into your concept of heaven. Take that into the book of Revelation. Oh, PT, book of Revelation freaks me out, man. You came to the right church, baby. I'm going to tell you, okay? I, I was there recently. We took a group uh, from Parkview to go to Greece and Turkey, and we got to go, and this is the island of Patmos. The island of Patmos is where the Apostle John was exiled by the emperor, and he, he was in prison in Patmos, and he had a vision, and it was the book of Revelation. He had a vision of what was going to happen and, and how it was all going to happen. And let me just say that a lot of Christian people have wasted an enormous amount of time trying to figure out all the nuances of the book of Revelation. Jesus said it's not going to be possible to figure out when and where it's going to happen. Just be ready. There are four major views of the book of Revelation. I've studied them all. They are all very contradictory to each other. So if you want to try to work the book of Revelation and figure out what all of these little things mean, you're going to have a hard time and you're going to have to take one track and everybody else is going to have to be wrong. And, and here's, here's what I'm saying, okay? Like people would... Back in, when helicopters were first invented, this was a big deal for Christianity because, because people would read about the locusts in, in Revelation and they're like, how are these locusts, you know, what, what's gonna, that going to be about? And then they, they invented helicopters and people are like, oh, well, what he's talking about is a helicopter. And it is a super big problem right now to figure out the Antichrist. Because ever since Gorbachev died, we don't have any world leader with any marking on their head. You know, I mean, that was a big deal back in the day. Young people don't know what I'm talking about, but like the leader of Russia had a birthmark on his forehead. So it was like, oh, he's the Antichrist because that's on there. L listen, guys, it's a giant waste of time. 
There's so much more stuff we could do with our time than try to figure out the nuances of Revelation. You should read it. You should understand it. But the bottom line is John is writing to people 2,000 years ago who were living under Nero in persecution, and they needed to get the point. And the point was, hang on. It's going to be okay. We're going to win. That's what you need to know about Revelation. Class is over. But there are some pictures of what what heaven's going to be like out of there that I still think are important. Again, I think we should read, I think we should understand what we can, but quit trying to make everything fit into a pattern. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, while he's on the island of Patmos, he said that, John said this, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. You see that? It's new. The first heaven and the first earth have passed away and there was no longer any sea. I want you to hang on to that and come back to that. I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, now the dwelling of God is with men and he will live with them. You see that? Everything gets reunited. Don't worry about whether it's up or down or sideways. Don't worry about whether it's uh, the new heaven and new earth are here, a part of this, or whether it's somewhere else. It doesn't matter. The, what matters is that heaven and earth are reunited and God dwells with us completely. That's the part that matters. God's greatest desire was to have a loving relationship with us. That's why he gave us freedom of choice and we said, no, we don't want to choose to love you. Then he sent Jesus to be the lamb who could absorb the sin of the world so that we could accept Jesus so that Emmanuel, Jesus was called, God with us could happen on the earth. And someday it's going to be a completely different setup. It's going to look something like this. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain because the old order of things has passed away. We have a little bit of heaven where we are now, but we also have a little bit of hell where we are now. And someday we're only going to have what's good. Let me show you five things. I'll just show you real quickly about Revelation. In heaven, there will be no more death. Okay? Those of you who have experienced the pain of losing a loved one, you understand this. There will be no more of that. Jesus told Mary and Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die spiritually. You're going to die physically, but you're never going to die spiritually. Your soul will live on forever. It's just a journey from this place to the next. C.S. Lewis wrote a children's book called The Last Battle. And in it, he described heaven this way. For those who died, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Isn't that great? I love that. We're just living the cover page. We're just living the title page right now. And, and, and yes, our bodies are going to die, but they're going to turn to dust. Our soul is going to live on. I went to high school in Enid, Oklahoma, and um, I've, I've only been back to one reunion, and it was my 20th. <clears throat> and I kind of went back because I thought I should 
try to help them with Jesus because I didn't do a very good job of that when I was in high school. So, so I went back and I kind of thought maybe I might, you know, how they do the awards, who came the farthest and all that kind of stuff. I kind of thought I might win the who came the farthest award either because of, you know, coming from Chicago or because Tim Harlow's a pastor. <laughs> He's come a long way. <laughs> but I didn't. The guy who won the award for coming the farthest had accidentally been listed in the 10th reunion as in memory of, because they thought he was dead. <laughs> oh, you're back from the dead. Congratulations, you win the award, okay? That's not actually going to happen. That's, what, that's all I want to say, okay? You're only going to die once. It's not YOLO, for those of you who understand, it's YODO, okay? It's not you only live once, it's you only die once. And it's really just your body that dies. There's no more death, okay? In heaven, there's also no more tears. On earth, there are tears, I've seen a lot of tears in the tub already this weekend as many, many people have gotten baptized, but there's also tears of sadness and sorrow that you have shed. I recently washed my, one of my grandson's hair with no more tears shampoo, and it didn't work, <laughs> okay? There's no, no more tears on this planet. That's the problem with it. But someday, when everything is as it should be, as it was designed to be, there will be nothing negative at all. There will be no more pain, right? There will be no more pain. You'll never experience pain. Those of you who suffer from physical pain, my mother-in-law has got Parkinson's and it is really, really hard to see what she has to go through. Many of you are in that same situation. Or maybe it's emotional pain. Or maybe it's spiritual pain. Whatever pain, you'll never experience pain again. And the reason why these three things you will never see again is because there will be no more sin. Sin is what caused all of this. Our rebellion against God when he gave us freedom of choice, that's what caused death and tears and pain. And it won't be there anymore. No, neither will you be hurt by the consequences of someone else's sin. And then there's that one thing I said we wanted to come back to. No more seeing. Does that make any sense? Well, it does when you stand on the island of Patmos and realize that he was exiled to a prison island. So the sea for him represented everything that was about separation. It represented being far away from all of the people and the things that he loved. And when heaven and earth come back together, there will be no more separation between us and God, between us and each other. And take that into context. Everything he held dear was on the other side of the sea. So some writer suggested what we ought to do is write yourself a little note, put a post-it on your car, or maybe make it your, uh, you know, your wallpaper on your phone or whatever, your home screen, that says, it does get better than this. Because every once in a while, you're going to need a reminder. It does get better than this. When you're in a traffic jam on the Dan Ryan, it does get better than this. When you've gone to the doctor and gotten bad news, it does get better than this. What, whatever's going on in your life, it does get better than this. And, and then even when there are times when things are good, e even when there are good days, remember, it does get better than this. Even though this is a good day, this is just a little pink spoon full of pralines and cream. Someday it's all going to get better. So don't be afraid of where we're going. You don't have to understand it. It's just going to be good. 
What about the other side? What if I'm not going to make it? I mean, I mean, is that possible? I mean, you read stuff like this in the Bible. Nothing impure will ever enter into heaven, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful. Anybody going now? Not me either. That's why you don't stop with one verse by itself. But only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Okay? But only those who the sacrifice of Jesus has cleansed them from their shamefulness and deceit and impurity. I don't care how good you are. That, that first part of that verse is scary. But only is a pretty big deal. So I got to get my name in the Lamb's book of life. I just need a reservation? PT, is that what you're saying? Do I do that on open table? I mean, how, how, how do I make that happen? And this is the testimony, John said. God has given us eternal life. And this, is life. and this life is in his son. So here it is. Are you ready? He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Bill Bright used to explain it this way. Let's pretend heaven is Hawaii. That's not a, that's not a hard stretch. Okay, Heaven is Hawaii and earth is California. Okay. Um, and, and you've got to get to Hawaii for eternity, okay? Even the best swimmers are not going to be able to swim to Hawaii. I mean, they have been able to swim from, like, Catalina Island and back, you know, or, or to one of the other islands. I mean, somebody might be able to, to swim that far, and those people are really, really good swimmers, the elite swimmers. Those would be, for us morally, spiritually speaking, the Billy Grahams, the Mother Teresas, right? Those, those, those people that are always, that just seem like they're so good, right? They could make it to Catalina, but they still can't make it all the way. And that leaves all the rest of us who are, you know, maybe able to swim a little bit, but we're still not going to make it. Or maybe you can't even swim at all. You know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you can swim to Catalina. Catalina is not heaven. It doesn't matter if you can't swim at all. Because that's why God sent the SS Jesus boat to come and pick us up. Okay? And if you want to go to Hawaii, you just need to get on board. He who has the sun has life. And you have a choice. Swim or boat to Hawaii. Kind of a big duh to me, but that's your choice. Well, how do I know if I'm in the boat or not in the boat? How do I know if I, I got a reservation? God knows your heart, you guys. This is really, really important. This is really, he knows your heart. And if like right now, just like the thief on the cross did, if just right now you say, hey, God, I'd like to go with you. I'd like to go on the SS Jesus. He'll take you. If you've ever done that, he'll take you. There should be hope for those, some of those of you who are wondering about relatives or along the way. You don't know that in those last moments of their life, they didn't say, I want to go. You just need to ask. God knows your heart. But we're humans. And we want to know that we've got a reservation. We want to know that we've done something to get our name on the list. And I know this because that's where baptism comes into play. When the people heard this, this is Peter's first sermon. The church is starting in this passage of Scripture. The people heard this. They were cut to the heart because they crucified Jesus. And they said to Peter, brothers, what shall we do? 
And Peter replied, you need to turn back to God and you should be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and this promise is for you and your children and all who are far off for all whom the Lord our God will call. Baptism was an initiation ceremony. It was something that was for us. It wasn't for God. God knows our heart. But for us, like you can get married at a justice of the peace. Some of you did. That's all fine. But even just the ceremony doesn't make you married. What makes you married is filling out the marriage license. That's really all there is to it, right? I got married in a church in Springfield, Missouri. I had a ring. I said the vows. I kissed the bride. We did all of that kind of stuff. That was for us. It wasn't for the state of Missouri. They didn't care if we did that. We could have lied about all that. It didn't matter. What mattered is that we filled out the form. Do you see what I'm saying? Sometimes we do ceremonies and we do things so that we can remember that we did it. When I went skydiving for the first time, I bought a t-shirt. You know? I mean, when you land and you're alive, they charge a lot for their t-shirts in Skydive Chicago. You're like, I'm going to go buy one. I want to tell everybody I survived. I did this, right? Well, this baptism is your t-shirt. Matter of fact, we'll, we'll, we'll actually give you one if you get baptized, right? I mean, like literally, we'll give you a t-shirt. What's been fascinating as I've been thinking about this this week is that I realized something kind of uncanny. And, and the realization of it just shows you how important baptism was to me. I got baptized on April 12th, 1970. I have a terrible memory. I don't remember things at all. I got early onset or something, I don't know. But I remember that date. As much as I remember my birthday, I remember my spiritual birthday, April 12th, 1970. The other day I was looking ahead, trying to figure out how schedules were gonna line out on things looking ahead. And you know what I realized? This this, This is so emotional to me. Next Easter, 2020 is on April 12th. Like my spiritual 50th spiritual birthday is on Easter of next year. We're going to celebrate. I mean, Jesus rose from the dead too, but it's my spiritual birthday. <laughs> you, see, you see what I'm saying though? I mean, how, I mean, like I get emotional just thinking about it. Why is that? Because it was for God? No, it was because it was for me. Because that was my way of stepping across the line, walking through the door, whatever it is. That was my way at eight years old of saying, this is it. I want to do this. So why don't you do it today? If you're watching on Facebook, you still got time to get to one of our campuses and get this done, man. Well, why don't you do it today? And I know, I mean, I'll go through the reservations. Well, I shouldn't get baptized in, this, in these clothes I'm wearing. We'll give you a T-shirt. Well, my car seat's going to get wet. We'll give you a trash bag to put over your car seat. I don't have a towel. We got like a thousand towels. We got baggies for you to put your stuff in. We'll give you a Bible and some stuff to get you started. And by the way, we've got these available at all our campuses, period. You don't have to get baptized if you want a Bible. We'll give you one. And some information in here to help you on your way. We've thought all of this stuff through. You can do it today. And by the way, it's finally nice in Chicago. Did you notice? I mean, come on. Come on. Get baptized. God said, here, finally, I give you a little piece of heaven. This is why I don't want to go to heaven now. The sun's shining now. I'm not, I'm not going to leave. I want Jesus to come back on like January 15th, okay? You know what I'm saying? So, so here's, all, here's what I'm saying, okay? 
I, I, want you to, I want you to watch this at all your campuses, and I don't know if you can tell from this uh, online, but if you got baptized at Parkview, would you just raise your hand right now? All right, will you look at that? Okay, like, that's a ton of people, and congratulations to all of you. <clears throat> I mean, some of you had been baptized by immersion before. Some of you had been baptized as babies and confirmed, but you wanted to do it. Everybody's got a story. This baptism is about us. It's about us saying, this is it. I want my name on the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to make sure it's there. I want to make sure I got, you know, my, my, my spot, my cabin on the SS Jesus. I, I want to demonstrate it for me. That, that's what I want to do. So, so here's what we're going to do, okay? Um, it, it is uh, going to be, we're going to do worship. We're going to stand in just a second. We're going to do worship so that you can slide out wherever you are at your campus. You can slide out and go to the back because there are people back there that will help you get your information, help you with all the stuff that you need and whatever. And then we will, and we will do baptisms, okay? So during this worship song or even during communion, which is going to be after that, we invite you to just slip out to the back and, and we're going to baptize. And, and we're going to keep baptizing until we can't baptize anymore. Okay, and, 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 and if you want to know that your name is on the Lamb's Book of Life, I said all you had to do was ask, so we're going to do it together. Would you stand with me? And, and here's what we're going to do. Jesus asked Peter one day, hey, who do people say that I am? And this was his response. And, and if this is where your heart is and you want to be no more FOMO about the after party, just repeat this out loud after me. I believe, I believe that, Jesus that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and he is my Lord and Savior. During this song, if you want to get baptized, go to the back and, and we'll get it done. Lord God, I pray for these people. Thank you for this story. Thank you. I mean, it seems so simple, but I know it's complex. I, I know I know it, it, it doesn't make any sense that you would love us after we rebelled against you for so long. But that's why you created us. You want to be in a relationship with us, and we're going to be heaven and earth reunited together for eternity. Thank you for that. For those who need to get baptized today, Lord, just knock really loudly on the door of their heart. Now, thank you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen.